Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. And Michelle and Randy head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our Blues Insider from The Athletic is the one and only Jeremy Rutherford. Jared, good morning. How you doing, man? Real good, Randy and Michelle. Real good, thanks. Uh, first, we want to start with this. You were listening to our discussion about the designated hitter, and uh, we want you to weigh in. What are your thoughts on the DH coming to the National League? Yeah, you know, I've had a bit of a change of heart. I'm a lifelong St. Louis and played baseball all my life, went to hundreds and hundreds of Cardinal games and Whitey Ball and, and watching Tony. And I remember being 13, 14, 15 years old sitting in the stands saying, okay, now next inning, is he going to be able to take the pitcher out? So are they going to bat for him here? What are they going to do? And the strategy just uh, enamored me. Uh, but now you get a little bit older, and, and like I said, a little bit of a change of heart. And, and part of it is because uh, you go to the games with your kids, and it's request after request. It's cotton candy. It's uh, souvenir it's uh, can I get anything? And so I don't even know that I watched the game. I laughed when I heard you make the comment a minute ago that uh, do you even know what the score is sometimes? I'll be honest, there are times we're in the car ride home and I'll say to my wife, so did the Cardinals win? <laughs> I don't remember. So <laughs> there's a lot less time for me to pay attention to the strategy, and uh, I'd love to see some more runs. Well, I'm glad that you've changed uh, your mind on that, Jr. because it seems like it's coming and it's something that we need to deal with. Um, so Randy and I were just talking about this interview with Craig Berube about how you spoke to him as he's driving back from, where was he, Randy? Philly. Philly to St. Louis. And I asked Randy in the commercial break, what kind of car do you think Craig Berube drives? And we, <laughs> we were trying to guess. And I said, I think it's going to be a tough vehicle, an SUV. I think it's going to be comfortable, but not a, like a top-of-the-line luxury vehicle. I can't see him in like a Mercedes or something. Um, but I also think it's going to be something that he can settle into. I said, I, I think maybe an Escalade, a black Escalade, because I'm thinking Tony Soprano vibes. He's kind of the boss of the team. <laughs> so you tell us what kind of car do you think he drives? And if I am I way off on this one? Well, I was a terrible reporter that day because I did not ask him. But the entire time we're doing the podcast for the 25 minutes, I'm picturing him in a vet with, uh, you know, no no roof and the hair is blowing. And I don't know if you heard him in the podcast, but he said he hadn't had a haircut in a long time and the hair was just uh, flowing. You know what's funny about that is you never know where you're going to catch people when you do those podcasts. You call them, they call you back, and, you know, we had... Scotty Upshaw a couple months ago, I think he was in a bathroom at a golf course in California. And so when Craig Berube calls, and you could kind of hear the wind in the background, we're like, hey, Chief, where are you at? And he goes, oh, it's just driving back from Philly, uh, you know, to St. Louis. And you're like, okay. And uh, the, the whole time, he's great. It was, it was a fun interview. Uh, but you say, Chief, what do you got uh, rocking there? And he said, oh, got some tunes, got some country, got some rock and roll, big rock and roll fan, you know, hair blowing, everything good. <laughs> and so... Uh, just epic listening to Chief on the way back uh, from Philly. 
And what was your big takeaway? And people can go to The Athletic and listen to the We Went Blues podcast. But what was your biggest takeaway from your conversation with Chief? A couple things. Uh, he, uh, as we've been talking about for the past couple weeks, he says, hey, I don't care about the format. Let's play hockey. And that's kind of been his mantra since he took over. I think that it's uh, filtered down to the players. You hear Braden Shen, Alex Petrangelo say, let's just play hockey. We don't care about the round robin and who we play, uh, so on and so forth. I, I thought when he talked about the approach, the training camp is going to be a little bit different. Uh, they're going to get right into some scrimmaging. He hopes that the, the players, even though they've been off for a long time and not skating until recently, he, he hopes they're ready uh, to scrimmage and then also his comment on Vladimir Tarasenko he said that the shoulder is probably as strong as it's ever been and he also said that he is in better shape right now than when he reported to training camp in September so you've got a healthy and in shape Vladimir Tarasenko Ooh, hearing that, hearing Chief say you got a healthy and dangerous Vladimir Tarasenko. If if I'm a Blues fan, I have confidence in this team anyway. But just to hear those words coming from Chief, it's got to make Blues fans feel very confident about their chances. Yeah, for sure. And you know that all the teams are going to be uh, rested, and you all you know that uh, they're going to be healthy for the most part. I know you know, a few few guys around the league you know, still aren't going to make it back because they had surgery. But who's getting a Vladimir Tarasenko back? And, you know, the one good thing here for Vladdy is he was going to come back about a week after the league paused on that next road trip uh, in mid to late March. And he was going to jump into a lineup where he was the only one that was rusty. And now you're going to jump into a situation where, granted, he hasn't played uh, since October. So, you know, if you look at the calendar, he's going to be more rusty uh, than most. But it's going to be more of a level playing field for him jumping into the competition. So I think that's going to uh, bode well. JR, because everybody has their injured players coming back and because teams are going to be rested, everybody's going to feel good. And we feel great about the Blues because of where they've been, what they know how to do. What concerns should we have about the Blues? You know, I think it's, uh, you were touching on it earlier, I heard uh, with Bernie Federico, is just finding your game quickly. That's the thing. And, you know, there are some players on the Blues roster who take a little while to get going. And, and I think that if you, you were looking to the end of that regular season and it looked like you were going to win the Western Conference and now all of a sudden you go, you know, one and two in the, in the round robin and you're the three seed. And, you know, now you're playing a pretty decent team that's coming off a, a, a play-in series win. Uh, it's going to be tough. So I, I think whether you're Jordan Bennington or you're some of these other top six uh, Blues players, Alex Petrangelo, Colton Preco, these guys that are going to play a lot of minutes, they're going to have to find their game quickly or else you could find yourself in an early hole. That's the one thing that strikes me. It's funny you mentioned Jordan Bennington, JR, because my next question was going to be about just that. We talk about these guys getting back to skating form and getting back to their physical form, but for goalies, it's a completely different animal. And to think about where Jordan Bennington was, where he last left off, and to just have that pause, to have everything stop, I wonder from a mental standpoint how a goalie gets back to where they were. Well, tell me if you ever heard this one before, but I asked him that exact question word for word a couple of days ago, and he said, I'm not nervous. <laughs> <laughs> he said that uh, it won't be a problem. And I actually did. I said, Jordan, you know, I know that you've gone through uh, off seasons where you're not seeing a lot of shots for months, and then you get into uh, St. Louis and, you know, September, and, and you start seeing some NHL shots, and he just said, I'm not worried. It won't take long uh, once we get back. So is he being confident? Sure. You know, that's the Jordan Bennington we know, but from his perspective, uh, that's what he's saying. JR, one of our favorite players to cover here in St. Louis over the years was Kevin Shattenkirk, and there's a great piece that Scott Burnside has written about him at The Athletic about how 
Sometimes your dream scenario doesn't always turn out to be the dream scenario. Yeah, and Shattenkirk, uh, Kevin Shattenkirk is absolutely positively one of my favorites and just absolutely tough uh, for him. Uh, you know, I think uh, Tampa Bay was a team that was on the Blues' radar in terms of making a trade several years ago. Uh, he didn't want to go there at the time. Edmonton is another one. The Blues could have had Taylor Hall. Uh, that didn't work out. Ultimately, Kevin Shattenkirk wanted to write his ticket to New York, and, and it couldn't have went any worse. He had a knee injury, and then uh, they bought him out. And so now he finds himself uh, in Tampa Bay on a really good team with Pat Maroon, uh, John Cooper, and the whole bunch, and they have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. So growing up, that's all he ever wanted to do was be a New York Ranger. He, he got uh, the opportunity uh, to do that. Uh, it didn't work out the way he wanted, but now his career uh, in search of that Stanley Cup could wind up the way he wants it. And, Jer, one of the things in his departure that Doug Armstrong said, and Doug Armstrong is great with his players, he said, hey, Petro's our number one guy, and Kevin Shattenkirk wanted to be the number one guy. You have Pareko and Petro now, and you have to believe both want to be the number one guy. Do you see a scenario in which over the course of the next eight years that you could have both of those guys on your roster? Talking about Petro and, and Perico. Perico. Yeah. yeah. Because both are going to be one. Number one, they're both going to want the contract and they're both going to be not not only paid like number one defenseman, but they they want to be the guy that gets the minutes that's on the on the power play, that's on the PK. They're, they both, and reasonably so, want to be that guy, right? Yeah, and I don't see it for the same reason that you couldn't see it with uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. First of all, I don't think that Kevin Shattenkirk could have been a number one, uh, you know, decent defenseman in his own zone, uh, but he was not Alex Petrangelo. He's not uh, Colton Preco. And a lot of his offensive opportunities and uh, being on the power play, you know, getting those points came because the Blues had Alex Petrangelo. So he mm-hmm. was kind of that next tier guy and, you know, saw different forwards than, than Alex Petrangelo saw. You know, I think Preco is more in the mold of an Alex Petrangelo in terms of uh, what he can do. And so, Kevin Shattenkirk wanted to be paid. Eventually, Colton Pareko will want to be paid. I don't see how you have the ice time, the role, and the uh, the cap room to have a Petrangelo and a Pareko in terms of uh, the long term. JR, you always provide us great input. Thank you very much. We do appreciate it. Have a great weekend and a great Father's Day. You guys, too. Thanks uh, for listening to me babble on there. And uh, I hope that uh, we do see the DH because, uh, like I said, when I go to the ball game now, all I'm doing is fielding requests from these robots. Hopefully soon we'll be back to Bush Stadium and you can get those home plate tater tot nachos. Um, See, now you're talking my language. I don't care what they do with the rules. Just keep telling me about that. (laughs) Those are awesome. So, all right, JR, thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. That's uh, the great Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ESPN. What I wouldn't give to be at Bush Stadium, ice cold Bud Light, and those pulled pork nachos. You know I'm I'm partial to the pulled pork yeah, nachos. They're great. We had the uh tater tot nachos during the winter classic. And uh, it was a, what a fabulous time to have tater tot nachos. Yes. You don't usually get to have those on New Year's Day. That, yeah, most people are eating salad on New Year's Day. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they're not at a baseball stadium. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is time for your Killing Me Smalls. And this morning, when I got here, I was drawn into a uh, clickbait situation about (laughs) bridezillas and uh, crazy things that brides have done 
on their wedding day or leading up to their wedding day. And uh, as I went through some of these pages, I saw how expensive it was for bridesmaids in the wedding and especially maid of honors to uh, be involved in these things. So I asked Michelle, Michelle's been involved in several weddings, uh, whether she'd ever seen a bridezilla situation on uh, uh, the day of or leading up to a wedding. And so you've got a story or two for us? Thankfully, Randy, uh, none of my good friends have been bridezillas, but I know of many a bridezilla story. But you're right, being in a wedding is... An investment. It is a long and expensive process. <laughs> um, I mean, we're talking everything from throwing an engagement party, a gift at the engagement party. You have a bridal shower that you're going to have to pay for, not only to put on, but a gift there as well. You're usually talking an out-of-town bachelorette party that you're going to have to pay thousands of dollars for. Then you've got to pay for a dress that you're only going to wear once, usually about 300 bucks. You have to pay for hair and makeup. You're having to pay for a gift for the wedding. It goes on and on and on for you to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to celebrate someone else's life decision. Which is incredible. Number one, that you're spending that much money, like you say, on somebody else's life decision. But the guy, you only have to rent a tux for like 150 bucks, and that's it. Don't even have to really get your hair cut. You, you can, but that might cost 20 bucks. So a guy is spending less than 200 bucks to do the exact same thing that a woman is doing and spending multiple thousands of dollars on. Less than 200 bucks you think you could be in a wedding for? Less than 200 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You rent a tux for 150 wow. and get your hair cut. There's and show up on time and be, just be sober. That's that's all right, that's requested right. from from the groomsmen. It's just yep. be sober. And you don't actually the the groom gives the the groomsmen gifts, so you kind of break even on the uh, on the expense with the bachelor party and stuff. Bachelor parties aren't unless you really go crazy. They aren't outrageously expensive. You don't have. The, the fun stuff is not going to be outrageously expensive. There's no way that, for example, you rented a house for one of your brides. Yes, uh, I was a maid of honor in a wedding, which was a great time. Love the bride. We're still best friends. But to be the maid of honor of a wedding is so stressful because you want your best friend to have the best time of her life. So you need to make sure that every little detail is thought out and covered for. We went to a, uh, her bachelor party in Austin, Texas. I planned it for six months. Wow. Six months, Randy. We had 20 plus girls there. We rented a huge house. I had an Excel spreadsheet of every girl what time they were arriving, what they wanted to eat. We had groceries delivered. We had booze delivered. I rented a boat. We had to get dinner reservations. I had to make sure our transportation everywhere was taken care of. I had to make sure we had a playlist. I had to make sure we had games. I had to make sure the gifts had arrived. I had to make sure that the fiance who was ordering food one night was on top of his game. All of these things that you have to worry about as the maid of honor. And, and if if you're in a best man situation, Vegas is great and there, there's a lot of guys that do the bachelor party in Vegas or Nashville or, or whatever. But if you have a, a spring or summer or fall wedding playing golf, or going to a ball game is just as good. It doesn't cost nearly as much, and guys love it. And, and that's mm -hmm. as memorable, many times more memorable, than taking that trip. 
normally when you go on a bachelor party too, I've never been on one, mm-hmm. but it seems to get wild. It seems mm-hmm. to be more about the group hanging out and the group having a big story yeah. to tell. Whereas for a bachelorette party, you're going out, but it's about the bride. It's about the bride having a good time. Let's just make sure she, you know, gets a little tipsy. She gets home safe that she's taken care of. Whereas, it's, but see, and here's my question for you about hidden costs. When I go on this, this trip for a bachelorette party, I know everything we're doing. I can know exactly what it's going to cost. You guys are doing extracurricular activities. You may be going to um, late night spots that go may... Go to watch ballet. Yeah. You may have to take some cash out. You right. may have to take some cash out more than once. So while I know what my budget is, you might end up actually spending more money. But here's the key. It can be whatever you want it to be. If you want to go in and just drink Diet Cokes and take it easy, you can do that. If you want to go full out and spend $1,000, you can... But the guy gets to determine what his own costs are, unless he has to contribute to what the the groom is going to have to endure that evening. But that that's still not going to get close to what you're going to spend as, as women. Even if you probably totaled everything you're spending on the unsuspected cost of the bachelor party, the thing that guys get off the easiest with is that you don't have to buy all the gifts. You don't have to buy gifts for an engagement party. You're not having a groom shower or you're doing an expensive lunch and you also have to buy a gift for that. You're not having to give probably a gift the day of the wedding. If a bridesmaid shows up to the wedding without a gift, it's going to be like, why did Michelle not bring a gift? If Randy shows up as a groomsman, it'll be like, you know what? Randy didn't throw up. He didn't make an ass of himself that day. He's good unfair expectations that are placed upon the bridesmaids, Randy. And this is why I thought of you. And, and we'll we'll end this by pointing this out, not to embarrass Michelle, but you told me you could have bought a house. Oh, if I total all the money that I've spent from the time I've graduated college until now on not only my friend's wedding showers, baby showers, bachelorette parties, weddings, all of that, I could easily have a down payment, a down payment on a house. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, for guys, it doesn't get close to that. We, I had get a text, by the way, from Brandon Kylie, the great host of Ribs and BK. He says, can confirm, being in the wedding party, also expensive for men, but much less stressful. Yeah. And but it's also expensive for men, he says. Yeah, well, you can make it expensive if you want, but you the, the key is, it seems like with women, it's required with, with guys, it's not. It can be very, very simple with guys. I wonder... So we talk about bridezillas. I wonder if there are more groomzillas out there than we know about. Text 65780. Yeah, do you know groomzilla? Because I was watching Vanderpump Rules. Yes, I'm ashamed. Yes, it was quarantine. Okay? We we all had mm-hmm. to take our minds away and watch some mindless TV. And on the show, Jax and Brittany, one of the couples, Jax was a groomzilla. He was getting very mad at his the Tom Sandoval, Great St. Louis, and mm-hmm. members of his groom's party that they weren't showing up on time, that they weren't doing all the things that he demanded. And he kept saying, this is my time. Time. This is my time. This is my wedding. And I thought, wow, I've never seen a groom be such a diva before. And it made me wonder. I bet there's more grooms out there that are divas than we get, than we hear about. We just, you know, always cast it on the bride. We always want to make the female seem like she's the one being a diva. Uh, we're we're going to get, we're getting a lot of texts here. Uh, by the way, the first one from the 618. Thank you, Michelle. You just talked me out of getting married. Too many dollars. Uh, <laughs> Randy, uh, bachelor party in Nashville, five times, about $1,000 a piece. There you go. But that's, see, Nashville is, I think, after New York, the second highest average hotel night stay in America is in Nashville, Tennessee now. It is the number one spot for bachelorette parties in yep. America. You cannot step out of your hotel room without bumping into somebody in a sash and a veil. Really? Yeah. Oh, 
matching T-shirts, the works. And it's a couple, terrible. A couple from guys and a couple from uh, from women. Uh, hot dog from Illinois says, "I had my bachelor party at a cards game. We found out you can get a deal on beer if you buy it by the case. Amazing. So, yeah, in- inexpensive. From the six three six, my poor daughter has been the maid of honor for two of her friends. She's only twenty three and has credit card debt. She'll be paying for years because of. See, this is what I'm saying, Randy. And then, I've been in six weddings. Imagine how much money ooh. that costs. Man." Uh, my bachelor party last July was a free wing party at Show Me's, a Cardinals game, and ended at a buddy's bar on Main. It's only expensive if you need it to be. And then this one, I took all my grooms to play golf. I think that's a great day. <laughs> and this, this one from the 314. Those 20s add up at a strip club, Michelle. This is what I'm saying, Randy. You know, you have a couple Bud Lights, you're taking some shots, you're telling your friend, hey, this is your last night of freedom. You're going to that ATM more than you're thinking that you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're saying, hey, this is your last hurrah. Yeah. This one's on me. I'll take out 400 more bucks and then speed of light, it's gone. Yeah. And you don't think that those women there who are who are working, Randy, understand, these are this is a party here, okay? I'm going to show some extra special attention. They know what they're doing. And uh, how about this one? The guys who are divas getting married probably aren't listening to sports talk. Everybody listens to Michelle and Randy, though. Of course. We're beyond We're just, transcendent. Yeah, we're, we, we, hey, and we, it's not that we disapprove of groomzillas. We just want to hear the stories because they're salacious. How about this one from the 314? I was a groomsman, and the groom was worse than Kim Kardashian. Oh, my. That would be awful to deal with. Gosh. But I just, for females, this is, at least I can only speak to my own experience. When a bride is freaking out about something, you, you just calm her down. You do whatever she yeah. says because you know she is ready to explode. It's all about her. It's all about her. I know a story about a, a bride who freaked out. She saw the reception area and freaked out because the chairs were ugly mm. and demanded, this is not a friend of mine, this is a story I know, and demanded that the chairs be taken out and new chairs be brought in. It cost something like five grand to change the chairs the day of. And she's like, I don't care. I don't want my to have ugly chairs in my pictures. And at that, I mean, listen, that's up to whoever's paying for the wedding to say, this is insane. No one is going to care about the chairs. But if you're a bridesmaid, you just say, listen, it's going to be a beautiful day, whatever you want. I'm curious how the dudes would handle that. If If a groom's angry, what do you do? Let me put it in perspective for you. There are a lot of little girls from the time they're five, six, seven years old that are dreaming about their wedding day. Mm -hmm. I have never in my life known a male from the time I was a little kid until the time we all got married that dreamed about his wedding day. Not one. You didn't dream about your wedding day? No. Never. (laughs) Never. You didn't even have one? I rarely thought about it until that day. Wow. So I I had to deliver checks to pay for the band and pay for the site. But no, it, it... if you're a guy, you're anonymous here. Uh, once again, 65780. Did you ever dream about your wedding day from the time you were a little kid up until the day you got married? What'd it you, doesn't happen. What did you do for your bachelor party? Did you have one? Uh, just a baseball game. Yeah, that's on brand for you, right? Yeah. Very yeah. And it was early on. It was, you know, because it, it was late in the season because we did November 1st and the Cardinals didn't make the playoffs that year. So it was just a late season baseball game. When I think about my wedding... I'm so grateful that I'm getting married after a lot of my friends because I've observed their mistakes. I've watched them get really stressed out. I've watched them spend too much time talking to their dad's work associates at the wedding and not enough time on the dance floor. I understand how stressful it can be. That's why I'm not going to go that route. Um, By the way, texts coming in. Uh, fast and Furious uh, from the 618. Hell no, Randy from the 618. <laughs> never. From the 636. Never. So, yeah, it just doesn't happen. Randy, my, my girlfriend has asked me if I've envisioned my wedding day, and yeah. she's perplexed by the fact that it has never crossed my mind. Not one time. 
Yeah. It, it's just not it. a guy thing. That's crazy to me that you would you would just think at some point you've been to enough weddings that you would consider your own yep no from the 636 no dreams but many nightmares since then (laughs) how about this one 636 i didn't dream of any of my three wedding days (laughs) (laughs) we may have dreamed about our wedding night lol from the 618 here you go from the 309 this is the the quintessential guy i'm engaged right now and and my fiance gets so mad when i just tell her whatever you want sweetheart (laughs) <laughs> That's the guy. Happy right wife, there. happy life. Yep. Fiance Man, too. The texts are coming in. People not drink. The dudes out there can't confirm not caring about their wedding day. <laughs> no doubt about can't it. Can't confirm. That's your killing me, Smalls. That was fun <laughs> on ESPN. And we appreciate your input via the text line 65780. We're going to talk more baseball with Pedro, Ga- Pe- Pedro Gomez of ESPN next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Pedro Gomez, he hasn't picked up his phone yet, which is fine because we're getting people weighing in on uh, whether or not you guys have ever dreamed as a kid or up until the day of your wedding about your wedding day. And we're going to get to more of your texts on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. But Michelle, our friend Brandon Kylie, host of uh, Ribs and BK here on 101 ESPN, has been in several weddings mm-hmm. recently and gave us kind of a ballpark as to the expense for a guy now. Yeah, BK with a great breakdown here. Randy, you said how much? 150 bucks probably for a tux and then yeah less than 200 i would think uh for the tux and the hair that's for the day and then basically spend what you want for the bachelor party well bk breaks it down bachelor party about 500 bucks he says he's been in three two or around that groom's gift 50 to 100 bucks tux 150 he says by the end dude's probably in for about a thousand dollars that's not bad so that's, but it's also and, not inexpensive. No, it's not. And if you, you get to three, especially if you do three in a year, that really does add up. So you, you, hopefully there are some grooms there that are a little bit more conservative in the approach they're taking to their bachelor party. I wonder how many dudes out there even take the initiative with their own bachelor parties because for the brides, they know where they want to go. If I'm the maid of honor, I'm throwing out ideas I could say New Orleans. Maybe we'll go to Napa. She's like, I'm I'm going to Austin, Texas. I've already bought the cowboy boots. You're like, all right, Austin, <laughs> Texas, it is, it is. Whereas I wonder if guys are just like, what do you guys want to do? It seems like the, from the text we're getting, it seems like the tone is more collaborative with the guys. Yeah, I think so. Here's one from the 618, and this is good to hear. So we aren't at 100% anymore. I'm a guy, still haven't gotten married, but yes, I envision what my wedding might be. We found him. We yep. found the guy thinking about his wedding. Thank you for texting in. And then the very next text is... Never thought about my wedding beforehand. We got married in Mexico, so it was pretty sauced most of the time and barely (laughs) considered it until it was time to get dressed. How about this one? We asked if anyone knew any groomzillas because we had nightmare stories about bridezillas. This one from the 417. Okay, to answer the groomzilla, I had a buddy. I was the best man for his wedding. He lost his bleep about the venue for not having a huge sound system for the music. I took him in the back private room and slapped him in the face and then called numerous DJ friends. I got a system there in about 45 minutes. Oh, nice. But, that, that a way to calm a situation, right? But that's exactly what guys do. They're going to yeah. go out there. They're going to punch you in the face, slap you in the face, say, get it together. Get it and then they're going to we'll, make calls we'll, and it's going to be over with. We'll fix it. Yeah, we'll get we'll get this done for you. But see, women, we have our makeup professionally done. We're worried about the bri- bride crying her face off. These are things that we have to be stressed about. So we need to calm them down. Let's calm down. See, and that's, that's interesting that that is 
the job of a bridesmaid? Because generally, grooms aren't as stressed as brides are. I, I, I would guess that 99% of the time, the groom is not as stressed as the bride is. So the the groomsman, the, the best man's job doesn't entail as much emotional support as the, the maid of honor. No, especially because guys are drinking beforehand. Yeah. Guys are waking up, they're having a cocktail. Girls may have a mimosa, but you don't want to be too sauced when you get up there. Whereas guys, you know how many weddings I've been in, Randy, where I'm looking across at the groom's side and I'm looking at the groomsmen and I'm like, you guys better hold it together until the end of this. They're thing. all smiling and having fun. Oh, right? yeah. You know that they're, that they're joking around. They don't even care. But I wonder, the, the brides are a lot of times stressed about everything being executed correctly. They have planned this for a long time so they want that day to go off without a hitch so they're more stressed about the entire event whereas i bet grooms are more stressful about the actual wedding when they put that tux on and they walk up there and they realize i'm standing in front of all these people and we're about to get married i bet they're more stressed out in the actual wedding ceremony than the bride is i think uh, unless it's something that really is happening in a hurry i think guys because we have to come up we have to ask about it. it the, the ask is our choice. So you you have to be pretty comfortable. Unless something untoward has happened in the, the months leading up to the wedding, you have to be pretty comfortable about your choice when you make that choice to ask the question. Yeah, and I guess asking the question and planning the proposal, asking the dad, those yeah, are all more stressful are, than you showing up that day. Those are more <laughs> stressful. Uh, one thing about guys is we're, we're always thinking about the food and the drink. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back texts again. Number uh, from the 636. We had a Cardinals-themed wedding complete with ballpark-style gourmet hot dogs. Love it. A nacho <laughs> bar. I wonder if you had a... Uh, yeah, I love the nacho bar. What, did, did, you, did you have Gouda? And, and, <laughs> and a cheese found They did. Uh, so I was dreaming about it every night leading up to it. That is awesome. And this one then from the 314. I never dreamed about it. I just had to make sure there was an open bar at the reception. Yeah, that's crucial. Open yeah. bar is crucial. Have you ever been to a wedding where you've had to pay for drinks? No. Me either. No, I, I don't think that's... But I can promise yeah. you, I would not be pleased. And I can tell you this, the Cardinals do a magnificent job with weddings. And during the summer, they usually have a, a couple of weddings at least at Bush Stadium uh, when the Cardinals are on the road. And you can do it either above the dugout or on the field, and you can have your reception in one of their areas. And... They do an amazing job. Uh, just talking to a friend, we did a party at uh, Ballpark Village one time, and I was just uh, talking to my friend who was our sales rep uh, about what they do, and she was showing me the books and all the pictures and mm-hmm. stuff. If you want to do a baseball-themed wedding at the ballpark, if, if you're, you and your bride are in that same uh, thought process, get in touch with the Cardinals because it's very cool. And then if you want your groom to be more involved, Mm -hmm. baseball wedding. Yeah, it's really, really cool what they do. How about this one, Randy, from the 314? I never thought about my wedding, but I think about divorce all the time. A lot of people get the 50% of people get that way. Uh, From the 314, we got married at the Tivoli. It was great since we had popcorn and booze. See? Uh, And uh, from the 314, my 20-year-old daughter was a maid of honor. Guess who took care of most of the organization? Dad. Ooh, not a good play. No. See, if I was dad, I'd be like, you're on your own with this one, That's a rough start. You're on your own with this one, honey. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? This is uh, fun. I got married in New Orleans last year, and on Friday morning in a hungover state, I said, what's going to happen now? Not the best question to ask. Who asked the bride what's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Not the question you want to ask the day of, pal. Yeah. 
gosh. I wonder, we, we're talking about the planning process. How many guys, they ask the question, they get their nerves out of the way. Their really big heavy lifting is over. Mm-hmm. After you, pur- you purchase the ring, you save for the ring, you purchase the ring, you maybe design or pick out the ring. You have to plan the proposal. You ask the question, you ask the dad. She says, yes, everything's great. You love her. You want to spend your life with her. I would love to hear from a guy who, after they've asked that question, then the bridezilla is unleashed. And then oh, yeah. for an entire year, you're watching this person that you love go essentially spiral because they're stressed out. They're worried about chairs. They're worried about details. They're stressed about the bachelorette party. They're buying a ton of white dresses for various events. That has to be very difficult for the significant other that doesn't care about the planning to have to watch someone be that invested in it. You know it happens, too. Oh, without a doubt. That's a great point. I never uh, I never even really considered that until now, but that's that'd be interesting to observe. That one is, that one needs to be on TV, on reality television. Uh, I'm sure it is. And here's the last one before we uh, get to Dan McLaughlin and cross things over. From the 509, my buddy's bachelor party, we all just split an Airbnb at Lake of the Ozarks, spent the weekend drinking by the lake and playing golf. Very inexpensive. See, let's play. Sounds like an awesome time. Yeah. Uh, That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Dan McLaughlin coming up with Scoops with Danny Mac in the 10 o'clock hour. And Danny will join us for the crossover next on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. The crossover on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. And Dan McLaughlin, the voice of the Cardinals on FS Midwest. And our teammate here on 101 ESPN is in studio. And it's always good to see you. Morning, guys. How are we? We're doing, doing good. well. Good. Yeah. We're just uh, we're talking sports uh, the whole time. Yeah, a lot of sports going on to talk about, man. <laughs> what were you thinking yesterday afternoon when word came down that Rob Manfred said that we believe we have an idea for a framework of a possibility of a deal? Well, I've been steadfast since day one. I think we're going to have baseball. I think it's still uh, all about negotiating, and I do think the clock is ticking. I, I think you look back from September 27th, and you just start doing the math, and now I think it's the framework to get probably, like I was on with BK and Ribs, and they asked me, okay, how many games you think you're going to get in? And I said, if you start looking at double headers, get creative, handful of days off, I don't think you're going to have 10 days off, which is what is in the proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at maybe 65 to 70. So I, I, I just, I still think they're going to play, and it'll be 65 to 70. 66 game schedule would yeah. be fine with me yeah i i well under the the, circumstances the number one thing i thought of when i heard about it was finally face-to-face talk behind closed doors and the other thing i thought about when i was on doing the crossover with ribs and bk was that i did not finally see a tweet from jeff passan ken rosenthal uh, Evan Drellick, uh, you know, the main guys that have been reporting on this in any time in CBA in any sport when you don't see a tweet or a story or a report from those guys, that is good news because people are being quiet, which means there are no leaks. That's what I thought. And how shocking is it that it took this long for them to get face to face in the same room? I think it's ridiculous. Get it done. 
<laughs> Why has it been this long? Yeah. I, that's the number one question that needs to be asked, yeah. is that you know that a framework of a deal had to be done. You know the time frame because the virus dictates that, so get it done. I wonder where the blame lies for the miscommunication with the March quote-unquote agreement and the idea that they would revisit negotiations if they were playing without fans and the the players maintained that they didn't know about that, that they thought they were going to get 100% of their salary on a per-game basis. And then something as simple as yesterday where the players, MLB players' communication uh, comes out right after Manfred's statement and says, there is no agreement. So you would you would hope that they would be closer to the same page here. How could you come out of that agreement with both sides on March 26 having so many questions in that potential agreement? That I mean there is questions I would ask on both sides of of how vague it was now in retrospect of the March 26th agreement of Okay, if there's no fans or if there are fans, what does that mean? I mean, clearly there's a lot of, at least from my perspective of not being a lawyer, I guess, of of just how vague it is of, okay, well, what does that mean? Like, okay, so if there's fans, does that mean you can start at this time? Or if there are no fans, does that mean you start at this time? And a grievance means you get this are we looking at grievance are we not and then there's a billion dollars it's crazy why why it it should have been black and white with this thing and it's not and when you walk out of a room again yesterday and both sides have such conflicting opinions of how close they are to this getting done you're thinking the same thing while I'm not a lawyer either, I know common sense and I know that if I'm asking these questions and you're giving me a response we should be on the same page well, I, there's so much distrust between the, the two sides. Um, it was interesting that the that the players got the 170 up front. I, I find it very interesting that they got the 170 up front, and that's never discussed, yeah. never mentioned in this. I mean, they, they took the money clearly up front, and that's never brought up. And I also think, because I, I don't... A lot of people are going on the owner's side and uh, are just blaming the owners on this thing. I'm not one of them. I, I think there's blame on both sides here because if you look at the state of our country on March 26, as opposed to what it is now, and I'm talking about the general state of our country, March 26 to June 17th, man, and the business side of our country, there are a lot of people that took a haircut on March 26, which the players did, and bi- and people in business did, and a lot of people have taken another haircut now or have lost their jobs since that time. So I get that the players took that haircut then, and they're going to take and and people maybe need to take another haircut now. The window of a player I get is short, but hey, that's the line of business that you chose. That's your line of work. Your window to make that money is short. I get it, but that's a line of work you chose. Pandemic hit. I get it. It's crazy, but things happen. It sucks. It sucks for everybody. No, I, I'm with you 100. <laughs> percent mean, What do you want me to say? Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it, it's everybody's out. Yeah, the, but you, here's the thing: is the, the fans have given a, given you a what is ultimately a 12 billion dollar business a year ago. It is incumbent on you to do them back a favor, if you want to call it that, but do them the right thing to do, which is to get back on the field. And again, as I've said many, many times, they are negotiating this thing as a CBA. This Mm -hmm. is not a CBA. This is a four-month outlier. 
This isn't a four-month extension, and they are laying the groundwork for what is going to happen in 2022. And, right. and that's wrong. This is, this is supposed to be something that let's get back on the field. Everybody takes their haircut. I get it. Owners don't like to lose money. Players don't like to lose money. We all get it. But do the right thing for the fan. Do the right thing for the seasonal worker. Do the right thing for people that rely on those games. Put people back to work. It's simple to say it's not that hard because I shouldn't be saying that. It is very hard and difficult to figure this out. There's a lot of moving parts to it. The virus dictates whether or not you get back on the field. Just let me finish just for a second. But do the right thing for those that have supported you. The country needs you back on the field. You know, I mean, people are are starving for sports. And and having said all those things, it's going to be very difficult just to get back on the field. I get it. The the, the virus and the health and safety aspects are, are very difficult anyway. But the economics part, man, just get it done. And I understand, though, if you if you just step back and look at it, they are they're sitting there fighting over this thing because they're laying, they're laying the groundwork for right. the fighting the, the of 2022. Yeah. There's no question about that. And Michelle used the term common sense. And yeah, if you're Tony Clark, you aren't going to be able to quiet 750 baseball players. But if you're a guy that is employed by the owners, I'm talking about Rob Manfred here, you tell those guys, don't talk to the media. I, You're hiring me to be your guy, to be your spokesman. And then as Rob Manfred... What you do, and he needs some PR help, clearly. But like you were talking about, every delay, you say, we're trying to work through a virus. We're trying to work through what our country is trying to work through. Don't even bring up money. Let them bring up money and be the bad guy. And if you're an owner, you say, okay, Manfred's our guy. And the way you approach it from a PR standpoint is say, the reason that we're delayed is because of the virus. And if the if the players want to take the money stand, you let them. But if you're the ownership, allow Manfred to take the high ground. Let's let me let me just throw this scenario to you guys, okay? Let's just say you're you're the the common Joe, common Jane out there, and and I mean this sincerely. And you tuned in to ESPN the other night. And there are a lot of people that were, I think, like this the other day. Now, we make a living off of sports. We talk about this every single day. And you're you're the family that's got uh, two or three kids, and you truly have been quarantined because some people out there have been for, you know, three months. I mean, there, there's some spots in the country that had not been, you know, they were, they were at phase whatever it was, mm-hmm. and you hadn't left your house if you were in New York or wherever you were at, and you hadn't left. And... You're watching TV, and and finally now you're getting some relief. And one of the things that you like to do is go to a sporting event, and you are the quote-unquote casual fan. And you you said, okay, um, I like to go to maybe two or three games a year. And I saw on ESPN they're going to have these things there. The commissioners are going to be on. This can be great. You know, let's let's – oh, and it's the return of sports. And we have some discretionary income that goes to – going to a baseball game. Okay, let's let's watch this. Great. There's going to be some sports that are going to come back this year. And the first thing that you saw was the commissioner of baseball say that we are devastated. We're devastated over the fact that we can't come together and have a baseball game. Now think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about how ill-prepared are you as the commissioner of baseball to come out and say something like that to your customer, your fan. That's terrible. That can't yep. happen. They need to hire Jim Woodcock. 
I, I don't care who they hire. A PR guy. They, they need Whatever. A, they, I don't care who they hire. You can't say that. No, you he, can't he, say he, that he needs a handler. Fan. That's the point. He, somebody with some common sense that's a handler. They need to have somebody in place that preps him for something like that. I make a living off this sport, but I'll tell you what, first and foremost with this sport, I love it as a fan. That's why I got involved with this sport. And when I saw that, um, I, I was really disappointed. And I was like, man, that, that's a kick in the gut. Um, I just thought, how can you say that as a fan right. of, of the sport, as a guy that likes to watch baseball when I'm not doing a game? I thought, man, why do you say that? You, you got to come out and say, we're working through our issues. We are trying our best to make this thing go. There's um, a lot of moving parts. Number one, to your point, Randy, we are dealing with a pandemic, just like every walk of life, every business, every family is dealing with it. We're trying to be careful. We're trying to be responsible to our players and their families to make sure that everybody in the sport stays healthy. Number one, we got to keep everybody healthy, but we're keeping a positive attitude. A hundred percent. We want to make sure that when we get our guys on the field, they're safe. So that's number one. But number two, Mike Greenberg, we're business, um, you know, and and we got to pay our players and our owners are trying to make money, too. It's a business. But we understand that everybody in the world is is taking a haircut financially. And so with that, there's a responsibility to our owners and and to our players. And you know what? Our players have already said that they're going to take a haircut. And well, our owners, we, we don't have fans in the stands. Um, so they're going to take a haircut too. So with that, understand other sports, they've already made about 80%, mm-hmm. 90% of their uh, income this year, but we haven't even started. So with that, hopefully our fans understand it's kind of tough to get through this, but we're going to try to make this thing work. And when we do, man, we're going to come out guns a-blazing, and we're doing it for you, the fan, because we love you and we want your support. So stay with us. We're going to make this thing work. That been a, That's what you do. That, that would have been the play. Danny Mac for Kamish. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.